Thank you for joining us back here at our second episode in the sub-mini-series on the Sacrament of Confirmation. Today we will uh, finish up with this sacrament, and hopefully you will meet us here for the next, the Sacrament of the Eucharist. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Confirmation is an essential, beautiful, uh, such a powerful sacrament. Again, in the Word, we have firm. That should always be a reminder to us as to what it is. Its principal effect. It is called confirmation, which points to its principal effect, which is this strengthening or this firming up in the spiritual faith, allowing us to both preach boldly and allowing us to stand strongly against all kinds of different confusion, difficulties, temptations, peer pressures, both from, uh, from the world as well as from our own weaknesses inside and also from the demonic. We have what is necessary to stand strong in the graces that God gives and also uh, predominantly in the graces that he gives us through the sacrament. We spoke about the importance of the sacrament, then we move to the matter and the form. Again, the matter of the sacrament is both the imposition of the hands and the anointment with sacred chrism. Both uh, of these are the matter, while at the same time the form is be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. At least it is something of this sort, of this sort that expresses two concepts, the act of signing or, or sealing, as well as the grace of the Holy Spirit. Why I say this or emphasize that is that be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, although that is the form that we use now, and those are the words that we should say, or the bishop should say, when he confirms a person. Those are not the direct and same words that we used to use, let's say, a hundred years ago. Those were different. But both indicate this true form, that is, these two concepts that are necessary, the act of signing or sealing and the grace of the Holy Spirit. We also spoke about why oil is a good sign in terms of something that is both for health, something that is also for strength. And then we also spoke about um, the effects of confirmation, or at least some of the effects, which we will continue today. We spoke about the increase of sanctifying grace, that that is a very important one. And therefore, we need to be in the state of grace to receive this sacrament. But then also, it increases that sanctifying grace that we have already uh, as a result of, of, of this sacrament being given upon the recipient. We also have the imprint of the sacramental character. In other words, another indelible mark that is given to the soul. And that indelible mark, again, like the mark of baptism, distinguishes us in that this seal being distinct from the seal of baptism, then uh, this distinguishes us as a Christian that is confirmed. So somebody without the, the sacramental or character seal of confirmation may be baptized, and that would be noticed that they are a member of the family of God, but that does not mean that they are a confirmed member. And this seal indicates this both uh, in heaven and in hell forever, regardless of what occurs to the soul or where it goes. I also mentioned in the sacramental classes, the general sacramental classes, that a seal is also helpful in terms of duty 
and in terms of conforming us to Christ. Our strength lies in Christ alone. The more that we depend on ourselves, the more that we think, well, I can do this, or I can overcome that temptation, the, the, the less likely we will be able to do so. It's all on Christ. Everything is on Christ. His strength is what is absolutely essential for us. St. Paul even acknowledges this. He's, he's, he's so exhausted with fighting with this thorn in his flesh, as he calls it. He wants and he prays consistently that God take this away, and yet God tells him, my grace is sufficient. Trust me. Lean on me. If I allow this to come to you, then you can handle it, but you must come to me. I'll make you holier as a result of this temptation, rather than less so, if you continue to repent when you fail, you if you continue to come forward. I know a lot of people, they get very, very uh, distressed, almost depressed, as a result of perhaps the kinds of addictions that they encounter, whether that be lustful or sexual addictions, or whether that be with food, or whether that be with anger, or maybe they're not able to control their mouths the way that they want to, etc., and because they always come back with the same kind of confession, they're always, uh, let's say, coming to spiritual direction or, or counseling of some sorts, and, and with the same problems, the same sins, they feel as if they're in this hole that they cannot get out. And they're, tr they're right in that, insofar as they at all depend on their own strength. Kind of like an addiction with a person uh, in alcoholism or a drug addiction of sorts, Many people always say, you've got to hit rock bottom. Things have got to get so bad that you realize there is no way you can lean on this drug anymore. You can't use it as an outlet. You've got to get away from it. There's no more excuses that you can make. Well, I'll just have two today. I can, I can hold myself. I'm, it's not a big deal. Or I did fine yesterday, so I can probably just have only two beers today. And, and this is what constantly leads people back and farther and farther into a hole. Till oftentimes, unfortunately, their lives are destroyed, their families are messed up, and they have many problems, either legal or financial or other things. So once they hit that rock bottom, then they have this kind of force, this realization, this clarity that they've got to move forward. They've got to tear themselves from this. In a sense, God allows the temptations that he allows uh, for this way. That we are able, even when we feel like we're being suffocated by these temptations and we're not winning any of these battles, God, who is greater than our sins, he's willing to forgive us and he's willing for us to even fall into sin for the sake of our own greater perfection in heaven. What I mean by that is the more that we fight against these, maybe we keep, and from our own perspective, we keep falling into this addiction. I keep gossiping, I keep gossiping, I keep gossiping, and I don't want to gossip anymore. And I keep asking God to take this temptation from me, but I keep gossiping. In our perspective, we're just failing over and over again. But the reality is that maybe now, because of this gossip, you know what, I go to church so much more just to, just to sit five minutes in front of the tabernacle. I actually uh, start saying more nice things about people than I ever have before because I'm trying to not gossip. I'm actually building up a prayer life that I never would have had otherwise. In other words, God can help us to build so many other virtues and so many other aspects of our life if we continue to keep our focus on Him while at the same time realizing that the only way that we ever will overcome the actual temptation, that sin of gossip, is only by his strength. And sometimes we just need a dose, a large, a powerful dose of humility. And the more that we fail in these things, when we really want to overcome them, the more helpless that we feel. Sometimes that's what gives it to us. That's what really gives us clarity. I'm not going to do this on my own. If I'm not willing to put the time in, the hours in, 
of prayer, if I'm not willing to learn my faith, if I'm not willing to surround myself with good people, if I'm not willing to tear myself away from the television, the bad habits, and the social media, and everything that's leading me towards these sinful, this sinfulness, then I'm not going to overcome it. But if I depend on the, on the strength of Christ, if I continue to lean on him, if I continue to use his sacraments and go to confession often, receive the Holy Eucharist, and offer that for the strength to not gossip, and these kinds of things, then it's so clear to me how helpless I truly am but how helpful he truly is. Confirmation helps us in this. This imprint of the seal conforms us more to Christ, not confirms us more to Christ. It confirms us most certainly, of course. But what I'm trying to say is a different word. In other words, we are more ordered towards Christ as a result of this seal. So it is a distinguishing factor. It is also this quality of the soul. It is this distinguishing factor, but it is also this... Uh, conforming to or ordering ourselves to Christ. And therefore, we have, like the seal of baptism, this threefold reality. We also, with the distinct uh, seal of confirmation, have this threefold reality as well. We spoke about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. We spoke about how they differ from virtues. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, unlike the virtues, which are like the rudder of the ship, they're predominantly our own work, with the help, of course, with God. It is the strength and these good habits that I build up. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are the instincts of the soul, not the habits of the soul. They are the instincts of the soul, like, and I believe I forgot to, to mention this in the last episode, going back to our analogy, the rudder, that which directs us towards Christ, those are the virtues. If we have good virtues, good habits, then we're going towards Christ. If we have bad habits, called vices or weakness, then we are going away from Christ, the rudder. But these instincts that make us more sensitive to the movements of the Holy Spirit, that can be likened to the sails on the ship. The sails, the bigger those sails, the more of this power or the more of this, these gifts that we have of the Holy Spirit, the more sensitive we are to the movements of the Holy Spirit. It takes less wind to move us farther down the, down the direction that our virtues guide us. So predominantly the movements and the act of God in us are the instincts or these uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. We also said that virtues modify and order our actions, whereas the gifts modify and order the modes of our actions, how and why and when and where we do or perform these actions. Once again, just to reinforce the importance scripturally as well, uh, I'll read one, uh, from Isaiah 11, chapter, uh, verse 2 again. Quote, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon me in the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. End quote. Confirmation also bestows upon us, as we continue with the effects, a right to all those actual graces which are necessary to enable a man to fight for Christ and to defeat the enemies of his salvation. To read that again, confirmation, quote, bestows a right to all those actual graces which are necessary to enable a man to fight for Christ and to defeat the enemies of his salvation, end quote. We shouldn't have to read anything more to be absolutely mesmerized by this sacrament. We shouldn't need to read anything more to understand how necessary and how beautiful and how precious and how important this sacrament is. It bestows a right to all of the actual graces. Remember, those are the nudges. Those are not the, the type of grace that dwells within, but rather those that push us towards a good or away from a bad, and then we either choose to, to accept and cooperate or we reject it. 
It gives us a, a right to these, a claim on these, actual graces which are necessary to enable a man to fight for Christ and to defeat the enemies of his salvation, end quote. In the early church, the charismata, again, those gifts of uh, prophesying and speaking in tongues, etc., often were given to the recipient as they received confirmation. And this is why I think perhaps some people get this kind of confused. They think, well, maybe I'll, I'll start prophesying uh, once I receive confirmation. No, we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, an influx, an increase of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we received originally in baptism through confirmation. But we are not guaranteed these charismata. The charismata are gifts that are given entirely based on the will of God, not on something that I do. And they are based on uh, the will of God according to my own salvation, but also the sanctification of other people. These charismata are not indicative necessarily of a holy person because God can use people that are not necessarily following his will to help and bless and sanctify other people. This happens, I would say, very often. But oftentimes, I think those that have the charismata, that is an indication of, of, holy, of, 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 of something that they are doing correctly. It's just, this is much more rare nowadays. In the past, early on, it was something much more frequent as here it is said. However, these gifts are not part of the sacrament intrinsically. In other words, necessarily. They can be given through this sacrament. You might have started prophesying or speaking in tongues as a result of the sacrament, but not necessarily. They are not necessary for salvation, and they were appropriately given by God more often in the early days of the church for greater growth and survival of the church. These gifts are not something that are done according to my call or my desire. A lot of people that are in the charismatic movements, they believe that it is. I can speak in tongues at the moment, a drop of a hat when I want to. Uh, I think there's just so much confusion around this that we need to be very careful. We need to be uh, very cautious in the way in which we approach it, not in any way trying to insult those people that are a part of that movement and that it can be very beneficial. And I think these people are solid gold. They are generally people that very much want to do God's will, very much want to love God more and more. But I think they're easily deceived by Satan in that easily they can be drawn towards the emotional or the sensational or the extravagant phenomena rather than the spiritual life, which is ordinarily and in general for everybody a type of grudging and difficult and day in and day out uh, perseverance through the, the rough times and the temptations and the, and the failures and the confusions of this life. This life is not perfect. And we don't want to get lost in the, the, the supernatural fantastic that we lose sight of the supernatural ordinary, if that makes any sense. In other words, God ordinarily works through the Eucharist and through confession and through confirmation and through the rosary and through all of these other things that we know. These are the ways towards salvation. I don't need to speak in tongues ever, not one single day in my life to get to heaven. I don't need to speak in tongues one single day of my life to even be holier. I do need the Eucharist to be holier. I do need to pray the rosary to build up of, of good virtue and, and ha good habit of prayer. I need these things. This is the way to, towards the spiritual life. Then I've already mentioned this indelible mark of this character. Uh, the seal of baptism is truly distinct. It exists for spiritual regeneration. Just to further clarify this, uh, of the, it, it, it exists for spiritual regeneration of the sinner and makes one a subject of Christ. The seal of confirmation is rather for the spiritual growth of the soul and makes one a soldier for Christ. Confirmation, like baptism, cannot be repeated. No sacrament with an indelible mark can be repeated. 
So again, the seal of baptism is distinct in that it exists for the spiritual regeneration of the soul. And it makes us a subject of Christ, a member of Christ. Whereas confirmation in giving us this strength and firming us and giving us the ability to boldly proclaim our faith and to fight against the temptations and the wickedness around us, then it is for the spiritual growth of the soul and makes us a soldier for Christ. The necessity, now, let us speak of in terms of confirmation. Baptism, of course, we know. This is a necessary sacrament. We need this sacrament. Confirmation is different. It is not absolutely necessary. It is not absolutely essential. In other words, somebody that's baptized, that dies, and never receives confirmation, most certainly is able to enter into the glories of heaven. Absolutely, we believe this. However, all who are able to receive it are obliged to receive it. In fact, it is some great offense to understand that Christ has instituted this sacrament. He's given it for my own sanctification, for my own benefit, for my own help, and my own spiritual growth, and to be able to help others more efficiently, and then to decide not to because I don't want to go to the classes or because I'm not going to force my child to go to the classes if he doesn't want to. Since when have we given children an option to choose when they go to church or not? So many now, they let their children choose if they're going to go to Mass. Don't let your child choose that. Don't let your child choose what he's going to eat for dinner because he'll just have popcorn and Pop-Tarts forever. That's why you have to be a parent and discipline them and teach them and drill into them the importance of eating properly so that they are healthy and the importance of education and learning so that you can grow and understand life and see the world the way that we should and not just be blindly led by other people that do have degrees uh, because oftentimes they're wrong. But at the same time, spiritually, that you need to learn your faith, that you must take advantage of your faith, but at the same time, you must take ownership of your faith, that it's something that is given to you and it's this precious gift and you can lose it. And Satan and all of these demons that are more powerful and more intelligent than us, they're seeking to rip this out of your hands, to stomp and crush it in any way that they can. And if you're not protecting it, if you're not careful, if you're not smart, then they will. They will succeed. And so we need Christ and we need to be more conformed to Christ and therefore go to the classes and learn. Even if you don't want to, even if it's hard, even if you don't care, even if you're not understanding everything, go to the classes, do the best that you can to learn, understand the beauties of our faith, understand the depth of this sacrament of confirmation. And receive it well. Receive it to the best that you can. It is not absolutely essential that you do so, but it is incredibly necessary if you have the opportunity to do so. And it is very offensive to just decide, nah, I bet it's not that important, that big of a deal. Or my brother got confirmed. He hasn't changed. He's a dirtbag still. Something of this sort, and therefore, ah, I'm not going to get confirmed. We've got to get rid of those kinds of ideas. We've got to live our faith. We've got to appreciate the fact that we have seven sacraments, and they are all instituted by Christ, and they are all given to us as precious gifts, because God loves us. He loves all, and therefore all are invited, of course, to be Catholic. But not everybody has access to these seven sacraments. It is such a blessing that we do in this nation, at least for now. Each person is obliged to care for his body and his soul. To neglect this is to sin. Therefore, it is gravely ne neglectful to have opportunities to protect and aid your soul through this sacrament and to fail to do so. We have spoken about the matter, again, the oil and the laying out of hands. We have spoken about the form, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have spoken uh, about these two necessary requirements for a valid sacrament. But we haven't spoken about the ministry yet, or at least in, in detail. The bishop is the ordinary minister of the sacrament of confirmation. It is the bishop, not a priest, not even a priest. A priest 
He is able to take bread and wine and to make that the body and blood of Christ. But the ordinary minister of the sacrament of confirmation, that belongs to the bishop alone. But in extenuating circumstances, permission can be granted so that a priest can offer confirmation. Or in extenuating circumstances, the, bishop, the priest wouldn't even need permission from the bishop. For instance, if I am, let's say, the pastor of a young man who has gotten cancer, he's 15, and he's on his deathbed, he's been baptized, he's received the Eucharist, but he's not been confirmed, I am able to, 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 to confirm that even without the permission of the, the bishop because of canon law, because of the importance of the sacrament, because of the beauty of the sacrament, but also because of the situation in which we're in, because this is a moment of death, and therefore this person has no ability to receive the sacrament in an ordinary way from the ordinary minister, and therefore an extraordinary minister. I don't mean that in the way that we oftentimes use extraordinary, like, wow, that guy's extraordinarily good at basketball. I mean extraordinary in the outside of the realm of ordinary, what is normal and unusual. I am a minister uh, extraordinarily, and able to then offer that, minister that sacrament to him. To receive it well, what do we need? In order to receive this sacrament well, a person must be baptized, in order to receive it at all. In fact, you must be baptized in the state of grace, and if an adult, then he must have at least a rudimentary understanding of the faith. So confirmation does not have to go to somebody that has the use of reason. Again, as I said, it used to be where confirmation was given with baptism, at least in certain areas at certain times in the church. But if it is an adult, which is typical now, and what again, what I mean by adult, is, it's, it's odd language, but when we're speaking about the sacraments in canon law, what we mean by an adult is somebody that has the use of reason. In other words, somebody that has the ability to choose, which starts at the age of seven, and even can start even before that, depending on the individual. So a person must be baptized in the state of grace, and if that person is with the use of reason, seven above, let's say, then that person must have a rudimentary understanding of the faith. You need to be catechized in order to receive the sacrament of confirmation well. You need to know what you're receiving. If confirmation is a sacrament that helps us to be strong soldiers for good, to boldly preach the faith of Christ, to be true witnesses of Christ, then obviously we need to understand what we are preaching, what we are teaching, what we are professing, if I'm going to be a soldier, I want to know what it is I'm defending, who it is I'm standing for, uh, to whom I am giving an oath of allegiance to. Confirmation is this firming of the soul. It is an important sacrament. It is not just simply a graduation or something of the sort. Rather, it is a sacrament that helps all of us to live the way that Christ desires us to live, to grow in perfection, and to live this life on this side of the grave to the best way that we can, so that in the next, we have the highest place of glory that we possibly can reach according to the will of our Lord. Give thanks to God for every one of the sacraments. Every day you should give thanks to God for your baptism, but also for your confirmation. Don't allow yourself to go one day not recognizing the gift of this sacrament and not recognizing the generosity and the love that God has for you in offering it to you. We should be truly grateful. It is a helpful sacrament, but it is us up to us as to whether we actually cooperate with the graces that we have from this sacrament, or if we just simply reject them and go on to live our life the way that we want. We have so much given to us at our fingertips. We just simply need 
to say yes, to take advantage of it, and to receive from God what he desires to give us so that we can follow him in all things. Again, I read this and end this episode with this quote from St. Bonaventure. It's just a good way, I think, to wrap up the idea of these seven sacraments all in a kind of a, a nice, tidy way. Quote, Baptism is the sacrament of those that enter the army. Confirmation, those of the combatants engaged in actual battle. The Eucharist, that of the soldiers regaining, regaining strength. Penance, that of the fighters arising from defeat. Extreme unction, that of the departing. Holy orders, that of the officers charged with training new soldiers. Matrimony, that of the men whose business it is to furnish recruits. End quote. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May the Blessed Virgin keep you, protect you, and help you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.